What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Engage 8 Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, with my two co-hosts, Josh and Mike. Today is February 29th. It is Leap Day. We won't see this day for another four years, so get excited while you can. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to be starting our off-season NFL recaps. We're going to be starting with the AFC and NFC East divisions. But first, Josh, uh, we kind of got some exciting news combined with a new segment. Uh, do you want to get us started with that? Yeah, we got some exciting news to announce. We're partnering with Hashmark. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of different segments for them, as well as uploading on their channel as well. So I'll link their TikTok and their YouTube and their Twitter in the description. Uh, so thank you to them. And we're going to be starting with our first Hashmark segment. This episode, we are going to be doing our first mock draft of the year. We're only going to do- be doing picks 1 through 10 right now. We're going to be doing, this is 1.0. We'll be doing 1.2s, 2.0s for the rest of the uh, off season here we got until the draft in a couple months we'll start uh we'll do some where we alternate back and forth on picks we'll do some where we do the full 32 uh but today we are just doing the top 10 and we'll start with that now we'll all go with one and then we'll all go two and we'll go all the way down to 10 uh, i'm sure we'll have a lot of similarities here but a lot of time to talk about the top guys so first off we got the bears at number one I do have them taking Caleb Williams and trading Justin Fields. Caleb Williams is just a generational prospect. Um, the only concerns with him are some people have some character concerns with him, uh, just of him being like sort of a diva type of prospect. But you see that a lot with these guys that have been praised as future uh, studs in the NFL in their college career. You've seen that happen with guys like this, especially going to a school like USC. You're already in L.A. You're under the spotlight. It's not something that I'd be too concerned about. Um, also a lack of production in the past year compared to, uh, previous years with him where he won his Heisman and he had a great year at Oklahoma filling in for Rattler as well. Um, he still had a good year, uh, all things considered, but with those PAC 12, uh, defenses, rest in peace, PAC 12, but those PAC 12 defenses, um, are not always the best. So I know some people have some doubts there, but at the end of the day, he's a playmaker. He has great arm traits. That's exactly what you need from a guy in this league. Just to be able to go make a play out of nothing, scramble out of the pocket and make a good throw deep to your receivers. Uh, so I think it's a no-brainer to take Hill Williams at number one. I completely agree with you. And the Bears, they did basically get this pick for free from the Panthers in that trade last offseason. So they're more than likely going to be moving off the of fields and getting Caleb Williams, who, like you said, generational. Some people will be saying, oh, he's not generational. He did X, Y, Z a little bit bad in his third year at school compared to his second year where he won the Heisman. I think that the talent is just there. Like you mentioned, Josh, the arm talent is just phenomenal. It's some of the best we've seen in the last few years, maybe even the last decade. And according to multiple GMs, scouts, coaches, even he's got Mahomes like qualities and you can kind of see them. If you look at the tape, I see a little bit of Aaron Rodgers in him as well. Maybe a little bit of that diva attitude to him. But if that leads us to four MVPs and a Super Bowl, I think I can live with that. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think Caleb Williams will go number one of the Chicago Bears. There's not much to say that you really haven't already said. Uh, clear-cut number one prospect in this draft. He was a very good starter all three years in college. Was great his freshman year. He won the Heisman in 2022. His arm talent is ridiculous. He can put it in extremely tight windows. His pocket instincts kind of like Mahomes. He can just maneuver around, and it's tough to bring him down. He can throw at multiple arm angles. Uh, just a rare talent. Uh, really, the only weaknesses you can kind of see in his game is sometimes he holds on to the ball a little too long with the Bears line. He's going to have to kind of concern uh, early in his career with that line not being as great. But I think he will be perfectly fine. He's a little short at six one, but I don't think that'll be an issue at all. Uh, I have no doubt he'll be a franchise quarterback and the first pick in this year's draft. 
Yep, moving on here to pick number two, the Washington Commanders. I have them taking quarterback Jaden Daniels from LSU. Um, I got to say, though, I'm doing what I predict is going to happen here. I'm not doing what I think should happen. Personally, I would take Drake May over him, uh, but that's just because I have concerns about him as a whole. Uh, watching, I watched almost every game of him in college this year and a lot last year. He was great last year as well, just didn't get as much hype because he wasn't going to the draft, but he was great last year as well. But the way he runs, like, He'll just completely ignore if there's anybody open and just take off on non-design run plays and just run directly into a linebacker, not slide, just get absolutely rocked. And at his frame, he's a tall guy, but he's a very skinny uh, first position. He can't do that in the NFL. If he does that in the NFL, he's going to be hurt early and often, which is just going to completely stunt his development for a guy that needs to be on the field to develop into the quarterback that everybody wants him to be. He's a freak athlete. Uh, but he's not Derrick Henry. He doesn't need to be trying to lower his shoulder on these linebackers, and you can't do that in the NFL. Uh, everybody seems to love him. He is super skilled. I'll give him that. He's Like I said, he's a freak athlete. I think if he can stay healthy, learn to slide, and stay on the field, I think he's going to be very, very good. Uh, but for the reasons I just said, I am a little nervous about him, and I would take Drake May. Uh, but I think with all the hype and all the upside, if he does stay healthy, uh, I understand why the commanders would take him here, and I do think they will take Matt Berto. I actually think the commanders are going to go Drake May with number two. I personally have him as my second best quarterback in the class. And if it weren't for Caleb Williams, he would be clear cut far and away a QB one. Uh, Williams may be a great prospect, but may he's a very good one. If you do watch the tape, he looks great when he's in rhythm and he can be a great field general from inside the pocket and some decent pocket presence as well. It isn't a guarantee, but I am very curious to see what they do with number two. If they decide not to go with Drake may because they have Sam Howell, but I think it's, in my opinion, I would easily move off of Sam Howell, kind of leave that in the dust, and then go Drake May here, too. I have the commanders taking Jane Daniels at number two with you, Josh. Uh, I think it'd be a second QB off the board. I'm with you guys, though. I think Drake May is a better QB prospect. I have him as my QB, too, as well. Jane Daniels is just an extreme athlete, real good dual-threat quarterback, very good runner, very fast. He did win the Heisman Trophy this season. Uh, he can hit receivers on the run has pretty good accuracy. He's improved greatly over these last two seasons, like Josh said, has a good touch. But like Josh said, he has to work on avoiding the tackles. We've seen multiple times this season him just go run with the football and he gets absolutely hit, loses the ball, and it goes the other way. Uh, I think the commanders are going to go with a quarterback. I could see them trading back with the Patriots. I think the Patriots really want Jaden Daniels as well. Uh, but with the Sam Howell hype dying off late in the season, his struggles late, I think the commanders go quarterback regardless. Yep, with that being said, uh, my number three pick for the Patriots here is Drake May, a quarterback out of UNC. Uh, he's a Patriots kind of pick, uh, maybe more of a Belichick era kind of pick, but I think the Rock with the same culture. Um, safer option than Daniels overall, uh, for all the reasons I just said about Daniels and uh, my this, how scared I am of him getting injured. I think Drake May is a lot safer of an option. His pocket presence is phenomenal. He has a rocket arm. And obviously, he's very, very accurate. The reason that everybody really wants him in this draft. And he's more mobile than people give him credit for. He can roll out and make a play. He can go run and get you a first down. Uh, I think a lot of people, because of, obviously, we have Caleb Williams, who's been this phenomenal prospect for years. We have Jaden Daniels, who just won the Heisman, an elite dual threat quarterback. I think Drake May is kind of flying under the weather a little bit of how much of an athlete he is compared to these two guys. I don't think he's that far off of an athlete as Caleb Williams, to be completely honest. I mean, he's not going to run the ball like Jaden Daniels is, but similar to Caleb Williams, he can roll out of the pocket and make a play. He can go get you a 10-yard rush, like I said, if he, if you need him to. And I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. 
in a good uh, organization like the Patriots, I think if they can put some weapons around him, protect him, I think he can be a really solid quarterback. I actually have Jaden Daniels at three. Uh, if I'm going to guess, we'll probably flip-flop the three of us with that. Uh, but I see Jaden Daniels as a very high-ceiling, low-floor player. He's got a lot of natural talent. He's got great arm strength, some solid accuracy, and he's very mobile, as we saw him scramble, take a lot of hits from linebackers, DBs. But he did struggle at times with some complex coverages at times last year. But he does have a little touch of that magic that helps create something out of nothing, something we see out of, uh, I don't know, Russell Wilson every once in a while, Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes, guys like that. So I do think he can be a solid piece for whatever team drafts him, but I think he goes to New England and they got a solid piece to build around for the future. Yeah, number three, I have uh, Drake May uh, from North Carolina. I think the Patriots go quarterback as well. We saw last year Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi were both horrendous. Their offense was one of the worst we've ever seen. Uh, Gerard Mayo is head coach. It's time for a new era. I think they need to get him a quarterback that can play football. Like I said, it wouldn't shock me if they trade up to two and get Jaden Daniels regardless. Uh, but I think Drake may will go at three. He has very good accuracy, strong arm, has great touch passes. He's a great decision maker. And he's able to keep his eyes downfield while scrambling, which is very key. I think he'll be a stud with whoever drafts him. Uh, I think I see the Patriots taking him at three. All right, moving on. I'm sure we'll be all probably similar on this one as well. But number four, Cardinals, Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver from Ohio State. Um, best wide receiver prospect we've seen in a long time here. Uh, when you look back at the, I mean, we've had some crazy loaded classes in the past, but obviously he would be the best in this class, probably going back all the way to maybe Jamar Chase. I still think he probably would have been taken over Jamar Chase as well, though. Uh, and Waddle in that, uh, 20, what, 2021 draft, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's phenomenal. He's just got crazy break. He's a great route runner. He can go up and get it if you need him to. The Cardinals have needed a dynamic weapon since D hop left. You got a guy in Kyler Murray who's already going to be a great quarterback for you. The O-line needs help, but they're not completely beat up. Uh, when you hit on a pick last year in Paris Johnson, uh, you put yourself in a good spot to go take a skill position here uh, at number four with Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, I've seen that he's liked some tweets about Arizona. I know he talked about Arizona for a minute uh, during the season this year, uh, so I'm sure he'd be happy to go here. And I just don't see him going top three to any of those uh, quarterback needy teams. Sets the Cardinals up beautiful here. You didn't have to tank uh, to number one or number two to get the guy that you wanted all along. Uh, you can get him here at four, uh, and it works out for you. I think the Cardinals might be building something, especially with this pick. He's an absolute game changer. I completely agree with you. I got Marvin Harrison Jr. going to the Cardinals as well. He's the best wide receiver prospect that we've seen since probably Calvin Johnson. Josh, I know you'll like that. He's great at basically everything, and this is huge for Arizona to pair Kyler with him. Uh, it's going to give me kind of vibes of Kyler and D-Hop where he could just go to him whenever he wants and it'll be a good chunk gain for the most part. He's going to be super reliable. He's going to make those superstar plays. He's just he's going to be phenomenal and he's probably going to Arizona. I don't see where he goes any uh, elsewhere than that. So huge for Arizona, like you mentioned, Josh, that they didn't have to tank or get a top two pick to get a guy that they were probably looking at coming into the season. Yeah, I also have Marvin Harrison Jr. This is an easy pick if the Cardinals have the chance. He's probably my favorite prospect in this entire class. Uh, he's a generational talent at receiver. Uh, the list of strengths he has is really never-ending. I don't know if he really has a weakness. He's incredibly fast. He's explosive, quick, uh, killer mentality, and he's six foot four, 245 pounds. He's big. I don't. There's not really many people who can guard him. He's a mismatch everywhere. He's been consistent ever since he had the breakout game his freshman year in the Rose Bowl. 
and he's risen up to the occasion in many big games. Uh, the college football playoff, he was phenomenal in before he got hurt. I think he has the potential to be a top five receiver his rookie season. Um, and giving Kyler Murray a weapon like him can help boost this offense tremendously. We saw Trey McBride look great towards the end of the year. Uh, I'm really excited to see if the Cardinals get Marvin Harrison Jr. That would be fun. It's uh, it's funny you mentioned Calvin Johnson, and I don't say this lightly uh, when I say he does remind me of Calvin in some ways. Um, and I've been quick to shut down all the, all the the DK is like Calvin when he was in the draft, and uh, who was the other one? Uh, Chase Claypool when he started playing well yeah. for the Steelers. Maple Tron, yeah, Mapletron. yeah. <laughs> quick to shut that down. Uh, but I do think in some games or in some ways, his game does remind me of Calvin. He's just one of those guys that he could just literally do everything. He's a little bit smaller than Calvin. I don't think his go up and get it is as good as Calvin's was uh, at this point, but he can always progress into that. Do I think he's going to be Calvin Johnson? No, uh, but I think he as an actual player reminds me of Calvin more than a lot of these guys that are just big, great receivers that people try to big, fast, great receivers that people just try to compare Calvin to. But um, moving on here to number five. Uh, Chargers, I got them taking Joe Alt, tackle Notre Dame, best alignment in the draft at this point. Uh, I know uh, Olu Fashanu from Penn State was the big hyped uh, offensive lineman going into this college football season, but Joe Alt came out on top from Notre Dame. Uh, the Chargers just need to do whatever they can do to get a better O-line and protect Justin Herbert. They got a ton of talent on this team. We've been saying it for years. Um, the Chargers, I will say though, they have do have many needs. I, there's a lot of ways I could have went with this. You could you can go D line even, uh, with we don't know what's gonna happen with Khalil Mack. Uh, you got to replace him. Their D line in general, especially in the run game, just hasn't been great over the past couple of years. But I think for, first and foremost, you got to protect Herbert. You can't have him get hurt again this season. Uh, Alt's the best rated tackle since Panay Sewell. Uh, so I mean, I know it's not a ton of years back, but we've seen what Panay Sewell's been able to do being the best tackle in the league. Uh, Slater has fallen off a little bit. Uh, he had a great rookie season. Uh, past couple of years, he's been okay. Uh, not terrible by any means, but hasn't been able to live up to the trajectory that he was on after his rookie season. But him and Alt being able to be on separate sides would just be huge uh, for this Chargers team protecting Herbert on both sides. Uh, then you just got to beef up the interior line. The interior line isn't horrible, but you can always beef that up at some point, especially in free agency. Uh, you're not going to take a guard this high ever. Uh, but when you have a chance with their current situation to have a tackle, take him top five. I think this is a spot where you could take all in. I think they will. Oh, okay. Uh, I think five is really a spot where things can get kind of murky because the Chargers can go, in my opinion, one of three ways. Like you mentioned, they can go tackle, whether they see Joe Alt better or Olu. But I have them going Brock Bowers. I think he's one of the best tight end prospects we've seen in a while. He does everything well. Maybe a step above a jack-of-all-trades and a master of none. I think he's mastered a couple things to a very high degree. He's very talented. He had a good amount of wild plays on his Georgia tape. And again, going back to my other point, uh, I could see the Chargers going off into tackle here, but I do like the idea of getting Herbert, just another weapon. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, even Josh Palmer and Quentin Johnson, if you like them, combine that with Brock Bowers. I think that could be a really scary unit for any defense, especially teams in the AFC West where you got to see that twice a year, especially with Justin Herbert at quarterback. It's going to be real scary. But I could also see them trading down if somehow Jaden Daniels or Drake May falls past four. I don't know how that would happen, but I think it would involve Marvin Harrison Jr. going three and then the Cardinals not panicking, but just settling for Malik Neighbors, who I'm sure we'll get to later on in the smock. But I think those are the big three options that the Chargers have, but I have them going Brock Bowers. 
Yeah, I'll get to Malik Neighbors right now. I have the Chargers taking Malik Neighbors. I was going back and forth between Brock Bowers and Malik Neighbors. I just think a tight end at five, we've seen it in recent years not work as well as it could. I think they're going to need help a receiver. I wouldn't be shocked if they cut Keenan Allen or Mike Williams here soon. Uh, they need to keep weapons for Justin Herbert here. Neighbors is very quick, great hands, very good first step. He's also, um, the only issue that he has is that he's kind of on the smaller side. He's only six foot, but regardless of his size, I think he'll be an elite playmaker, put him in the slot. Uh, if Mike Williams can come back healthy on the outside, hopefully Quentin Johnson can come back for them. But I think they go Malik Neighbors at five. Yep, I'll keep the neighbors train going at six. I have the Giants taking Malik Neighbors, wide receiver at LSU. Uh, the Giants just need weapons right now. Their only weapon that they had all season, really, uh, was Saquon Barkley, who uh, we'll get to the Giants and everything we got to say about them here in a little bit when we get into our East uh, season recap. But out of the two receivers here after Marv, you got him, you got Roma Dunze. I think he's the twitchier and the faster of the two remaining receivers. Uh, he can play on the inside. He can play a little bit on the outside if you need him to. He's a great route runner. Um, and the Giants, they just need a pass catcher that they can have. I mean, you, the Giants are in a very, very, very tough situation, which all season, I mean, you know that, but like in the back of your head, you're still 100% focused on your team. You're, real, you're thinking about the other teams, but you're focused on your team. I'm thinking about the Lions. And then I sit down today to go do my notes on the Giants, and I'm like, they're in a really, really, really bad spot right now. And I think at this point, you just need a playmaker. Um, you need Jan Daniel Jones to at least look okay this season. I know your O-line is bad. You can go and take another O-lineman, but that hasn't been working out for you at all. So I think you just take Neighbors. It's a safe pick. He's going to be a weapon for them if Daniel Jones can get the ball off to him, especially in those short routes because he's not going to have a lot of time in that pocket. I think Neighbors is a good guy for that, and I have the Giants taking him at six. I got the same thing as you. Uh, I think Neighbors is a yards-after-catch monster. He's got insane speed. Bold prediction I think he's going to clock in somewhere in the four fours and the 40, but the bold prediction is that I think he can get into the four threes, like four, three, seven, four, three, eight. I think we might see that from him on tape. He looks like he's got a, just a gear faster than everybody else and facing those sec defenses. That's not an easy thing to do. And in this mock, the giants get a much needed weapon for their offense, especially since Saquon is a guarantee to stay. I don't believe they're looking to tag him, but I don't think he's 100% gone yet either. So I got Malik Neighbors at six. At six, I got Romo Dunze. Uh, the Giants desperately need help on the outside. Uh, I think they're going to have to stick with Daniel Jones given the contract situation. And like you guys said, they need weapons to help them. Wondell Robinson was okay last year coming off a torn ACL. I think he'll take a step forward. And like you guys said, pairing a receiver is very important for him. Odunze's got good size, uh, well-developed route running. He's 6'3", 201 pounds, so he's got decent size. He's very good after the catch. He can win contested balls. Um, but yeah, I got the Giants taken. Romo Dunes at 6. All right, at 7, I have the Titans taking Brock Bowers, tight end from Georgia. Uh, like you guys, or like Zach said, he's a generational tight end prospect. He can do everything. He's great at finding the spots. He's great at uh, running after catch. He's it's hard, He's a hard guy to tackle. He's essentially can play receiver for you out there if you have uh, no other options. I mean, we've seen with the Chiefs uh, in the past couple of years, they haven't had a phenomenal wide receiver option. And you just use Kelsey as a receiver. I think the Titans can use that for Bowers here. The Titans need another team that needs many, many things. Um, so I think for them, you just go best player available. And I think Bowers is at this point. He's going to be a day one difference maker for them. And uh, he has a chance to do what guys like Sam Laporta did this year and go challenge for that record. Uh, Tennessee, this is where I have the first O-lineman in my mock draft going off the board. I have them taking Joe Alt. 
Uh, they've had a, last year, at least they had a lot of major offensive line issues. I think Alt gives them a cornerstone piece for a very long time. Like you mentioned earlier, he's probably the best O-line prospect in the draft, but it could be based on preference. They could go wide receiver here, at least for me, Roma Dunze is still available. But I see O-line as a more pressing need as they do still have that first-round pick they used back in, I think, 2021 or 22, back on Traylon Burks. And they've they've invested in the wide receiver room a little bit with Burks and D-Hop. I think he's on the back end of a two-year deal. So they've got resources in there. I think their O-line needs a little bit of a boost, and I think Joe Alt provides that. I'm with you. I have the Tennessee Titans taking Joe Alt out of Notre Dame. Uh, they had terrible play at left tackle last season. Uh, was not good at all. Their first rounder, Peter Skronsky, switched to left guard. He took zero snaps at tackle. He will be their guard of the future. I think they get a left tackle here to help protect uh, Will Levis's blind side. He's very large at 6'8", 315 pounds, yet he is also very quick. I think this is going to be a good pick for them, help secure that backside for Levis. All right, moving on to number eight here, the Falcons. I have them taking Dallas Turner, Ed from Alabama, first defensive player off the board. Um, in this thought process, I'm thinking that Atlanta does trade for fields. Uh, it seems like that's the most likely option as we sit here on leap day, 2024. Um, Turner might be the best. Uh, yeah. Turner might be the best defensive player in this draft. Um, overall, he's a stud. I mean, anytime you can get uh, an Alabama, uh, top defender, it's going to most likely put you in a good spot overall. Um, I think the Falcons is edge their number one need. I would say no, but a defensive mind in Morris, like I said, I'm, picking what I think they're going to do a defensive minded Morris. I think is going to want an elite young edge to build this team off of. And I think uh, he's going to have a lot of say in that situation. I think you take Dallas Turner there. Maybe he doesn't make an immediate, immediate impact for you, but they already have a really good team. They have a good defense. I think if they can get a quarterback, whether it's fields or Russell Wilson or whoever they get, I think they're going to be in a good spot overall. And then maybe you'll see around, Oh, week 16 Dallas Turner's had a quiet season. Now he's fifth and rookie of the year voting. And it's like, Oh, now this guy's going to get a chance to really go at it and play great for you. Uh, so I think when you get a chance to take the best defensive player in the draft, probably at number eight, I think that's a decision you have to make for them. And I think they do make that decision and get away from drafting a offensive playmaker every season. I actually included that in my little rationale for taking Dallas Turner at eight for Atlanta as well. I think he's got great physical tools. He's got like absolutely abnormal arm length and just strength in general. He can go from speed to power really well. And with that, with those long arms, it's huge to just get first contact on an O-lineman. It really helps you just either get past him, just gives you all the leverage in the situation, which is what all the good edge rushers will tell you that they want in those one-on-ones. I don't see Atlanta going a skill position because they really already have three major pieces in those spots with Pitts, London, Bijan. And like you mentioned, Josh, I also expect them to trade for fields, whether it's a second rounder or a future first or whatever. I don't know, but I didn't see them having a need to take a a McCarthy or a Knicks in this spot. So I got Dallas Turner at eight. I also have them picking Dallas Turner at eight. I agree with you guys. I think they're the team that ends up getting Justin Fields. We've seen them in recent years, like you said, Zach, load up on offensive talent. And I think Dallas Turner at this point is the best available player. I'm um, looking at his combine stats. I'm assuming we'll go over everything that happens at the combine on the next episode. But 83-inch wingspan, 89th percentile. His 40-yard dash was 4.47, 98th percentile. Uh, vertical jump, four, 97th percentile. Broad jump, 10 feet, 7 inches, 93rd percentile. Uh, he's a freak athlete. Um, and I agree with what you said, Josh. He might have a slow start to the season, but towards the end of the season, he's going to start turning it up. 
Yep, moving on here to number nine, I have the Bears taking Roma Dunze, wide receiver from Washington, three receivers in the top ten. Uh, Chicago gets a good wide receiver to pair with Williams and Moore uh, in this situation. I think Rome can just be a giant outside threat that really complements DJ Moore really, really well. Uh, you can move more to a lot of more inside uh, sets then, have him running a lot of drags and in routes while you have Rome out there. If you want to go chuck one up to him, he beats his guy. He's the guy that can definitely go up and get it for you. And I think just having a guy like him and a guy like DJ Moore on the same team will just be a huge benefit to a guy like Hale Williams who's developing in his uh, freshman season. If you can uh, get no line to block him and give him some time uh, with two, ext- I, I want to say young, but TJ Moore's I would, not young anymore. He's only 26. I know, but like it's, I feel like he's, he's what, fifth year at sixth year in the league now? I think he's going into year six. Yeah. yeah that's where you got to stop, stop saying young. I mean, Avon <laughs> Rao's about to be in year four, and I struggled to even call him young still, but um, it's an offensive league at the end of the day. Uh, I think if you go and you get Caleb Williams and then you get him a top 10 receiver, uh, to get a receiver in the top 10 and him, uh, Roma Dude from Washington, I think that puts you in a great spot uh, with what you've already built, especially seeing how the defense played towards the end of the year last year for the Bears. Completely agree with you. I got Roman Dunze going to my Chicago Bears at nine. Like you mentioned, I think the trio of Williams, Moore, and Odunze could be really scary, especially given how young they are. Uh, given the average is brought down a little bit considering the two rookies compared to DJ Moore. But like you said, you can line up DJ in the slot. He can run a lot of interior routes, just create a lot of separation against linebackers or those smaller uh, slot cornerbacks. And if that doesn't work, Romo Dunze, he can beat his man at at an above average level, but he's got great hands at the catch point. Those 50-50 balls turn into like 75-25 balls when he's out there. He's great at tracking it. He will come down with it more often than not, and I'm very impressed with what he's been able to do this year. And he gives the Bears a clear wide receiver too, which they didn't really have too many answers for that spot last year. They basically had DJ Moore and then a little bit of Cole Komet and then just whatever because Darno Mooney was in and out of the lineup and just inconsistent. And then running backs, I guess, were getting a lot of checkdowns. So I got Romo Dunze solidifying that wide receiver two spot in Chicago at nine. Yeah, at nine, I got Jared Verse from Florida State, the defensive end. I see them going, the Bears deciding between best receiver available or best edge available. Um, you could, Like you guys said, you could pair a weapon with DJ Moore and Cole Komet, or you could pair an edge rusher with Montez Sweat. Since all those receiver, top receivers are gone, I have them taking Jared Verse, 6'4", 260 pounds. Florida State, he had a great start to the season. Uh, he slowed up later in the season in ACC play a little bit, but he's still a freak athlete. Uh, very quick, very powerful bull rusher. Um, he's good against the run, but he's also very quick off the edge. He can get to the quarterback very fast. Uh, just to touch on his combine stats too, 4.59, 30-yard dash, he finished third, uh, third in broad jump, third in 10-yard split. Uh, he's just another freak athlete. These first-round draft picks are pretty much all freak athletes, but uh, just something you don't see often. Yep, and to finish out this mock draft at number 10, I have the Jets taking Olu Fashanu. Uh, offensive tackle from Penn State. Uh, this is a common occurrence I feel like we see of a uh, O lineman being ranked super high before the draft, or I mean before the season starts. And it's like, oh, he's for sure going to be the best tackle. He's going to be the first tackle taken off the board, and all those way too early mock drafts. And then they start to fall because you have quarterbacks like Jane Daniels, for example, who no one expected him to be top ten. But then you realize, oh wait, we have so many teams that need quarterbacks that it doesn't matter value months before or months before the NFL season even starts. Uh, so that's a problem with the mock drafts early in the season, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and then you got a bunch of just skill position guys. You got guys like Roma Dude who nobody expected to be up there. Brock Bowers, who people did, but did people think he was going to be top five, top six? 
that's questionable. Malik Neighbors, nobody really thought he was going to be top 10 uh, to start the season. So you get him, uh, all of a sudden he's falling super far in the draft. And does he deserve to fall that far? Maybe not based on what he's done, but maybe based on what other people have done. He's easily a top three alignment in the draft. Uh, and the Jets, as we know, need alignment. They have to protect Rodgers and not let what happened this season happen to him again. Uh, the Jets have a – we'll talk about them in a little bit here too, but Jets have a chance to be really, 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 really good next year, and adding a great offensive tackle in Fashanu from Penn State is huge for them. I think they take him here at 10. I also think Olu goes to the Jets at 10. Uh, I mentioned it a little bit before. I think him and Joe Alt are 1A and 1B. Uh, I think you can – it's based on preference. Depends on if you want a big, strong guy. <laughs> I know I've said it a million times. It feels very repetitive. 1A, 1B merchant over here, man. <laughs> That's that's neither here nor there, but I do think O-line was the Jets' second biggest issue from last year outside of the fact that Rodgers got hurt four snaps into the season. Uh, their O-line just had a lack of lack of depth and then just lack of talent in general. Elijah Vera Tucker and Mekhi Becton were both in and out of the lineup and just not what we thought they would be for being first-round picks. And like Joe Alt, it gives the Jets a cornerstone piece for their O-line for years to come. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I got Olufashanu at 10. They just desperately need help at the offensive line. Uh, it feels like this is their like 15th time trying to draft an offensive lineman in the first round, but I think they try again. They need to. They need someone to block Aaron Rodgers' blindside next season. He is very large at 6'6", 320 pounds. Uh, he's a good athlete. He's quick. He can be a little stiff and get beat easily, but uh, we'll see how it goes. The Jets just need help on the offensive line, however they can get it. Yep, and that does it for our first little top 10 mock draft here. Once again, thank you to Hashmar for presenting this segment, uh, and they'll pre- be presenting segments from here on out. Um, but we can move on here now to our previews, or our, sorry, our recaps uh, for these individual teams on their past seasons. Um, we can start here with the Patriots, um, AFC East. 2023, they were 8-9. and nine. This year, they finished 4-13. and 13. Uh, the quarterback situation has just gotten progressively less sure year by year for them. Uh, now they're in a spot where they're going to be drafting a quarterback most likely, but we're two months out. A lot of draft stuff changes in two months. So uh, we don't know, but you go back and forth from Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi uh, all season. Neither one was good at all for them. They couldn't get anything figured out. Their surrounding cast wasn't great, but they also are not great. Uh, so that's a big problem for them. They lose Bill Belichick, of course. Uh, at the end of this season. Um, I think a new era and just a fresh start from them getting a QB uh, that they can rely on, and then you build everything around them, which, all we, I mean, as we know, is not the best strategy for winning, but who are we to doubt the Patriots uh, at what takes them to be be a winning franchise? Uh, they were never supposed to be a good team this year. This was never supposed to be a good year for them, so I don't want to harp on that too much. Because uh, there's other teams like the team we're going to talk about next that this was supposed to be a good year and it wasn't and some other teams later. But um, yeah, overall, the Pats is what you expected. Maybe you hope to be a little bit worse and get top two pick. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're still going to get a solid quarterback regardless. And if they can get Drake May, I think they'll be in a good spot. Yeah, I mean, my first thoughts on just looking at this team from top to bottom. Wow, this team in just season in general for them, it was bad. They had a QB court. Wow, a QB carousel with uh, Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. The lack of weapons around those two really ruined any chance of the offense taking off. Uh, Judon and Gonzalez getting injured relatively early in the season just took the wind out of the defense's sail just as well. So basically, you got to hope that this third overall pick really is just either a grand slammer, at the very least, a bases-clearing double, 
to jumpstart this rebuild and the post-Belichick era for New England. Yeah, this was the worst New England Patriots season of our lifetimes, uh, which is great to finally say. Only four wins. Uh, they 100% know they have to go in a new direction at quarterback. Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi were basically unwatchable. Uh, and to top it off, one of the greatest NFL head coaches of all time, parted ways after 24 seasons, had six Super Bowls, 302 regular season wins. Not many positives this season from the Patriots. Uh, one of the only ones really was uh, Christian Gonzalez, their rookie first-round pick, but unfortunately he did get hurt early in the season. But while he was playing, he looked great, had some tough matchups against Tyreek Hill, uh, CeeDee Lamb, but he was able to hold his own. Um, Matthew Judon getting hurt. Uh, after he was playing well, killed him as well. Uh, they have to upgrade at receivers. I expect them to draft a quarterback. You don't want to do what the Bears kind of did with Justin Fields, draft a quarterback and put zero weapons around him and kind of set him up for failure. First year head coach Gerard Mayo has a really tough task ahead of him. This team doesn't have much. We saw today that they have Bill Belichick, I guess, loved Jaden Daniels and Gerard Mayo has a similar feeling. So we'll see if they decide to trade up to two to secure Jaden Daniels or if they're able to stay put at three. But uh, if you're the Patriots, it's still a rough season with how everything went. You can't be happy. All right, moving on here to the New York Jets. In 2023, the Jets finished seven and ten and in 2024. They also finished seven and ten. Uh, they lost the season on game one, uh, play damn near play one uh, with Aaron Rodgers going down uh, early. They had four quarterbacks play the season. Rodgers technically went one and zero. Wilson went four and seven. Tim Boyle, zero and two. Simeon, two and one. They had one of the be- uh, two best defenses all year, them and the Browns. And it's tough to not think about them and the Browns and not think about how the Browns ended their season on defense so poorly against the Texans. So they were easily top two, though. Uh, you got playmakers like Wilson Hall, along with great a great defense that was going to lead them to being a really really good team with Rodgers. I think this is a Super Bowl contending team if Rodgers can play at a high level all season. Um, at the end of the day, though, you just need O line to protect him because he's still old and he still has an Achilles, he's coming off an Achilles tear. So if you have an O line that's getting blown up on the edge and he's just getting rocked, you're going to put yourself in a position to get injured him injured, and you can't just be like, oh, it was bad luck, bad luck. Well. If you have a bad O-line and you're letting your 40-year-old quarterback get rocked every time, I don't know if that's bad luck or bad preparation. But um, overall, I think the Jets' season was just lost on that uh, initial play. There's not much you can do about that outside of just building your O-line, like I said. Uh, But I think they're going to come out next year and be a great team. Yeah, what was supposed to be an exciting season for the Jets really turned into probably the worst-case scenario, borderline disaster. Only four plays in, Rodgers went down and found out he popped that Achilles and – they they basically just they said goodbye to what was supposed to be a really promising season. They wasted what seemed to be a really elite defense and one of the better ones we've seen uh, the entire year. Brees Hall, someone who I was very high on coming into his second year, coming off of that ACL injury, he started kind of slow because he was ramping up, but he finished very, very strong. Kind of a hot take that I have. Uh, I think he's going to finish as a consensus top five, maybe even top three running back by the end of next season. And as me and Mike, you a few times, Josh, have said multiple times on this pod, poor Garrett Wilson. We feel so bad for this kid, and hopefully next year he blossoms into the the superstar receiver that we all think he can be. Yeah, and even with the horrible quarterback play, Garrett Wilson was somehow able to finish with a 1,000-yard season, which I really don't know how that's possible. Uh, Electric (laughs) uh, opening ceremony for the Jets this season, Aaron Rodgers running out with the flag. 
um, in New York uh, on a big day, but it didn't last very long. First drive, like you guys said, towards Achilles. Zach, Wil Zach Wilson pretty much gave kind of what we had seen from him, just not a good quarterback in 11 games. He had eight touchdowns and seven interceptions. We saw them trot out Trevor Simeon, who looked just as bad, and Tim Boyle, who has somehow been on an NFL field more with more than one team. He's terrible. Uh, their offense, they have some incredible weapons. Brees Hall looked great towards the end of the season. Garrett Wilson, uh, it's going to be fun to see them with Aaron Rodgers next year, hoping they're all healthy. Uh, like I said, their defense was very, very good. It kept them in games that they should not have been in, and it won them games that they shouldn't have won. So they still have a, a lot of work to do in the offseason, but this offense can be dangerous, and if their defense can stay as good as it was, they could be contending already next year. All right, moving on here to the Miami Dolphins in 2023. They were 9-8 and eight. this year. They were 11-6. and six. They lost in the wild card round both seasons. Um, one of the most explosive offenses in the league this season, obviously with Tyreek and Jalen Waddell and Achan and Mostert, along with Tua at quarterback. Uh, they're just a phenomenal offense. They're going to continue to be a phenomenal offense. Nothing's going to change there. Just the injuries on defense just really prevented them from having any sort of success. Ramsey, Phillips, Chubb, just huge injuries for them that – Sold it for him. And uh, I think a lot of people look back, uh, down on the Dolphins uh, just for how it ended. Not as much in the playoffs, just because that was an extreme weather situation playing against the eventual champs. But just what happened the week before, losing to Buffalo, losing that uh, spot at the two seed, uh, just really killed them. But the injuries to Phillips and Chubb just really hurt them. Uh, this team has so much potential. Uh, they just, at the end of the day, they have to stay healthy on both sides of the ball, and they have to be good teams. There's a lot of times this season where they were just beating up on bad teams, couldn't be good teams. They beat the Cowboys, who we'll talk about here in a little bit, but outside of them, they didn't really beat any great teams this season. Uh, but they have a ton of potential. I think a healthy Finns team can seriously make some waves, no pun intended, uh, next season. Yeah, uh, Tyreek, he was great. Waddle was good. Tua was good. We had a surprising resurgence from Raheem Mostert, who I believe had 21 total touchdowns, which was tied for the league league with uh, CMC. And what felt like a semi-breakout season from Devon Achan, the defense took a big step up after getting Ramsey back, uh, but they're still kind of a ways away from being a top-tier unit. But something I really liked seeing this year was Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips. They seem like they could be a really great edge duo, uh, for a pretty solid amount of time, but it really sucked to see Phillips go down during the Black Friday game and then Bradley Chubb go down uh, at the end of the season, pretty much in garbage time. But at least the in-season hard knocks was pretty cool. I like getting a little bit of insight on some of the players and especially Mike McDaniel as a coach. He's kind of a funny guy. So I hope we see a little bit more insight from them as well. Yeah, they had a hot start to the season. They looked like they were going to walk away with the division. Uh but just a really quick turn. The Bills got hot. We're able to run the table. We'll talk about them next. Uh, they're going into the offseason with a pretty rough financial situation. $51.3 million over the cap. Uh, I don't know how the additional $30 million, if that was included or not. But they need to boost their O-line. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa is due for a contract here. The season had some great highs for them. Their offense was explosive. Devon HN looked great in moments. Tyreek Hill was phenomenal when he was healthy. 1,799 yards and 13 touchdowns. He was the best receiver in football again. Uh, the next step for them is really just they have to get the playoff game at home. They continuously keep losing out on the division and having to go to uh, one of the northern teams and play in a cold weather game. They need to get that game at home in the warm weather. Uh, and that's what they have to do to get success. Yep, finishing off the division here with the Bills in 2023. They were 13-3. and 
lost in the divisional round that year and this year they were 11 and 6 and once again lost in the divisional round. Uh they started off really rough this season but then they hit that hot streak mid-season and just got completely rolling. Uh despite injuries to Trey White and then eventually Matt Milano, uh they were really they were able to get it together on defense training for Russell Douglas was a big part of that. Um, but those injuries ended up catching up to them uh, late in the season. Uh, despite turning around this season, uh, they do go and they lose to the Chiefs in the divisional round in a close game. Uh, they were right there. I I hate to say, uh, what if they had so-and-so? What if they had so-and-so? But if they had Trey White and Matt Milano, maybe they do win that game. Maybe they go on to win the AFC Championship. Maybe they go win the Super Bowl. Uh, who knows? But we've been saying that about the Bills for a while now. What if they do this? What if they do that? Um they're always a couple plays away from being where they got to be. Uh, but if you're always a couple plays away, are you ever even close is the question. Um, so we'll see uh, for the Bills here. I They 100% have the talent um, to get it done. Maybe if they don't start as early in the seat, uh, so bad early in the season, maybe they end up being a top seed and being in a better spot overall. Uh, but to get out of the what if game, uh, I think if they just can stay healthy, maybe they go uh, get another pass rusher. Uh, to go help them on defense and make a huge difference there for them. Uh, their back end, their safeties are always going to be great when they get Trey White back. They'll be good there. Uh, but I, th- I like the Bills uh, overall as a team that can go maybe win the Super Bowl next year, but I know we always say that at this time of year. Uh, so it's hard. They'll probably go into the season next year as a top four, top five favorite, uh, as they always do. But at the end of the day, you got to take care of business, and uh, we'll see what happens with them. Maybe they will uh, be able to get over that hump next season. I think they definitely have the talent to, like you said, but for another year, uh, they finished with a tough loss to Kansas City in the playoffs. They finished the season with a really strong run game after firing Ken Dorsey. It really felt like that kind of jump-started their offensive, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Prowess? Sure, something like that. Uh, Josh Allen, he had an MVP caliber season. He was second in voting behind Lamar. Uh, James Cook, I believe he was within the top like seven, I think, in rushing yards. He played really well in the back half of the season, part of that strong running game I mentioned earlier. But like you mentioned, Josh, uh, the defense, the injuries really just caught up with them. I do think Von Miller is likely gone as a cap casualty. He It felt like he barely played because of that lingering injury he had. And I think prior to the salary cap uh, increase announcement, they were like $40 million into the red. So I think that Von Miller... Uh, cut probably cut less likely a trade because teams are going to realize, yeah, we're not going to give up uh, capital for this guy when we can probably just get him in free agency for cheap. But they're going to have to work their way around a little bit of financial struggles. But one guy I am looking at in the offseason, Stefan Diggs. He's been probably frustrated for the last half season and maybe even more than that. His involvement was less and less as the season went on. He just wasn't performing at the level that we were used to him. So is he on his way out? Is he going to come on a revenge tour? Will he be back? Like George Kittle said, he'd be back in the Super Bowl. I don't know, but I do think the Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs duo is a little too good to break up, especially now is Josh Allen is arguably just now entering his primary year or two into it. So I think you got to ride it out and just let those two figure it out because they are extremely talented individuals and, I think they can go a very far way if those two are on point. Yeah, the Bills had a really bad start to the season. Looked like a disaster season for them. Started out slow, and they were somehow able to come back and win the division, get a home playoff game. Uh, Joe Brady, he liked to run the ball a lot. James Cook had a career year, 1,122 rushing yards. He only had two rushing touchdowns, but four receiving touchdowns, 445 receiving yards. Uh at the time, it didn't seem like Ken Dorsey was really going to solve many issues. 
Uh, the Josh Allen turnovers were really bad at the time, but it worked out for him in the end. They were able to uh, run the table, make the playoffs, and just unfortunately lose to Kansas City in the playoffs. Josh Allen was good. 4,000 yards, 29 touchdowns, 15 rushing touchdowns. He's just uh, almost impossible to guard in the red zone if he's not throwing interceptions. Uh, but the turnovers were an issue at the start of the season. He got them kind of down. The defense was extremely dominant during the regular season, especially at home. Uh, teams really just couldn't score on them. But injuries kept adding up. Trey White, Matt Milano, Terrell Bernard. And at the end, it really just... Uh, kind of all came to uh together and Kansas City was able to expose them in that playoff game. So, with Super Bowl aspirations with a team as good as Buffalo, it is a disappointing season. Uh they had the Lombardi Trophy between the uprights at their practice facility and it's unfortunate that Tyler Bass was unable to kick the ball in between the uprights and basically end their season. Yep, moving on there to the NFC East. We'll start with the Commanders, a team we talked about a little bit earlier in 2023. They were 8-8 eight, eight and 1. This year in 2024, they were four and 13. Uh, transition year for them with uncertainty at quarterback, uh, bad contracts, and a new regime. Um, with uh, Dan Snyder coming out uh, of the ownership there, and then you have Josh Harris, I believe, who owns the team now. They got a new GM, a uh, new head coach, of course. Um, but Howell showed flashes uh, all season. There were times where it's like, oh, do we have Howell as our franchise quarterback? Can we go take Marv at number two or wherever we're picking? Or are we even going to be picking number two? Uh, but at the end of the day, Howell uh, showed some reasons why maybe you don't want him as your future quarterback, even though he's on such a good contract that um, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world to not draft a quarterback. I know they're going to. I know it would probably be stupid if Howell doesn't turn out to be good. But Howell showed some real flashes this season. I think he can be one of, if not the best backup quarterback in the league or starting for a team very soon. Um, they traded away young. They traded away sweat for some picks mid season at the deadline. There some contracts that they were trying to get rid of guys that are talented, but not who they're going to have on their team going forward here. Tough rookie season for guys like Emmanuel Forbes, uh, who just kind of got burnt for a lot of the season, especially early on. You draft him in the first round. And when you're in a season like this, where you know you're not going to probably be good, you're in a transition period, you want you need your young guys who you're drafting to show some promise. And sadly for them, they didn't have that. Even guys like Jahan Dotson had a pretty tough second season for them. Uh, so a lot of regression where they didn't need regression and a lot of guys who they thought were going to be good that didn't end up being as good. Maybe the brightest star for them was Howell, which is crazy enough. They're going to go draft over him this season. But uh, overall, uh, commanders did not expect to be good. They weren't good. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're going to get one of the top three quarterbacks in the draft and you're going to be in a good spot. Uh, speaking of them, though, I know Caleb Williams is a D.C. guy, so maybe <laughs> if they can give the Bears a juicy enough offer, maybe they can go get him. And Cliff yeah, Kingsbury. I mean, yep. Very true. It all depends on how polls and the entire scouting department ranks uh, the three quarterbacks. Because if the drop-off between Caleb and their QB2 is small enough, I mean, maybe an offer that gives them a 25 first and maybe a couple seconds, including Chicago's own second-round pick back, maybe that is juicy enough. But regardless, the commanders... like when you, said, Josh, I mean, when you have a class where you have a QB1A, 2A, and... Or sorry, one A, two, one B, and uh, one C. Twenty one B. One A, one one B, one C. Sorry, it's just such a stupid phrase. I can't even joke about it. But I mean, but you're not. the one making it up. All right. <laughs> yeah. uh, how will he played all right, considering it was his first full year of starting? Um, Brian Robinson, aka Fifty Cent, was pretty good this season as he took full reins of the backfield over Antonio Gibson. Terry McLaurin continues to be a very talented receiver. 
without talent throwing him the ball and just isn't utilized enough or correctly, in my opinion. Uh, they also ditched their two good edge rushers in Montez Sweat and Chase Young, like you mentioned, Josh, at the deadline for some picks. And they actually had some success elsewhere. Chase Young made the Super Bowl and Montez Sweat uh, pretty much bolstered a defense that was top three in a lot of defensive metrics in the back half of the season. And But I do think they have too much money tied up into the interior defensive line. Uh, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. I think you're overpaying both of them. Deron Payne, you just tagged him and then extended him in this past offseason. He was not living up to expectations this year. So that's a little unfortunate on there. And then Jonathan Allen, he said multiple times in post-game interviews, like, yeah, I mean, I've been here for so long that it's about time that I start looking out that I could look elsewhere because we're clearly not winning enough here. So this offseason, it's been pretty disappointing so far as they whiffed on Ben Johnson and the owners got absolutely roasted in the process. And then they ended up settling for Dan Quinn. But the commanders have a chance to really throw a wrench in the entire NFL draft. If they decide that they do like Sam Howell and they think they can run it back with him with a Cliff Kingsbury-led offensive uh, scheme, I mean, maybe they go Marvin Harrison Jr. at two and just throw the entire draft out of whack. Who knows, because that would involve probably a good amount of trade-up attempts from other team to maybe the Chargers spot at five, because that would let uh, the Patriots get their pick of whoever they want. Cardinals would probably go neighbors, and then... At five, you probably have a bidding war between, I don't know, the Broncos, Raiders, maybe even the Vikings if they want to move up. But regardless, the commanders, they, they're going to have to, like I said with the Patriots, they're going to have to hit a home run with their draft pick because they they don't have that much to be excited about on their team. Yeah, they have a lot of cap space, and they're going to have to hit on their draft pick. They had a very, very exciting start to the season. The new ownership group led by Josh Harris – they went and got Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs to be their new offensive coordinator. Sam Howell looks pretty good in his first couple of starts out there. They started 2-0, and which I think was their best start in like five years. Um, but then they uh, reality really checked in and humbled everybody by the deadline. Like you guys said, they traded both Trace Young and Montez Sweat. And the poor play continued. I think they lost like their last ten, eight games, finished 4-13. and Sam Howell just did not look good towards the end of the season was benched a couple weeks in a row for Jacoby Brissett, who would step in and actually look pretty good. Um, they're going to have to look for a new QB in the offseason. Uh, like Josh said, I was really disappointed in Jahan Dotson. I was hoping he would have a breakout season. That did not happen. He somehow regressed from his rookie season, which wasn't wasn't great. Um, but whatever quarterback they get, if they're able to uh, keep this receiving core, they'd have a good receiving core with Terry McLaurin, and hopefully Jahan Dotson can finally take a step forward. But the offensive line also needs a lot of work as it was the worst offensive line in the entire NFL. Yep, moving on here to a team I touched on a little bit earlier, the Giants. They were 9-7-1 and in 2023, losing in the divisional round. They were 6-11 in 2024. Uh, they In the offseason, they tagged Saquon, signed Daniel Jones to a big deal. Definitely should have done the opposite in that scenario. Uh, obviously, Jones then goes and gets hurt, uh, which was a giant problem for them, of course. But they weren't playing great when he was in either. Uh, they're kind of just in a tough spot overall. They don't have a good O-line at all. They don't really have weapons because they're going to lose Saquon. you got a quarterback who you were not sure on. We don't know if he's even league average or if he's below average to a giant, giant deal. You have a defense that has uh, Tibbs on the on the front seven. Outside of that, front seven is pretty poor. Secondary is nothing to ride home about. And you're not in a great cap spot either overall. Um they're in a tough spot. They're in a really tough spot. If you're in the same situation, but you have a quarterback who 
you don't think is that good, but he's not signed to a big deal, then you can take next year and go get a quarterback and start over or whatever you want to do. But they're in a spot where they can't really do that. Um, Saquon was really the only bright spot for this team, and they're going to lose him next season. Um, Evan Neal somehow got worse this year. Uh, the Giants are just in a really, really bad spot. They don't have anything going for them. And if I had to go and make a ranking of what I think the teams are going to finish 1-32 to 32 next season, I think I would have the Giants definitely in the bottom five, maybe the bottom three or two. That's definitely a bold take, but I completely agree with you. The Giants' offense is as a whole was just really tough to watch. A lot of regression um, say outside of Saquon, obviously he was great, but he's not going to be there next year. Daniel Jones wasn't phenomenal, but he was serviceable. I think you can argue DeVito was fun for a little bit, but he's just not an NFL level starter. And obviously Tyrod Taylor ironically is the giants leading passer for the entire 2023 season. He's a backup, but with Barkley likely gone, they have to add weapons in the offseason. Like, they have to. for regard, Regardless of who's at quarterback, you need guys who can go out there and make plays. Like you mentioned, Josh, their defense is very front seven reliant. And with Thibodeau just not having the greatest season, he ended up getting a solid amount of sacks, but I feel like he didn't win a, like a, a bunch or as much as you'd like from a top five pick. But... They've got some talent on the defense that they can build around, but they might be losing Xavier McKinney in the offseason. They're probably losing uh, Saquon in the offseason. So uh, bottom five team, I mean, maybe. We also got to see how they handle free agency in the draft because, I mean, who knows? Maybe they turn into their 2022 selves and they somehow rip off a, a above 500 season behind Daniel Jones for some reason. But I doubt that happens. But any given Sunday, the Giants were just really rough. Yeah, going going into the season, Giants were hoping to build on their playoff appearance the season prior. Uh, Brian Dable with uh, winning coach of the year, but those dreams did not last long at all. A 40 to nothing loss in week one really kind of set the tone for this team as a whole throughout the season. Daniel Jones tearing his ACL. You started two and eight, finished six and 11. So not bad enough to get a top pick, but uh, not what you wanted at all. They relied heavily heavily on their franchise tag running back Saquon Barkley um, made him do most of the work for them and now he will hopefully finally get paid a long-term contract like he deserves somewhere else um, he put his body on the line for him and they decided to pay Daniel Jones instead the only really positive the Giants had this season was the really fun three-week stretch of Tommy DeVito uh, I think they went they won three games in a row New York was able to rally around the hometown Italian kid. Uh, that was fun to watch, but disappointing season. Uh, you didn't see much promise out of your $160 million quarterback, and things are not looking brighter. All right, moving on here to the Philadelphia Eagles. In 2023, they were 14-3 and three and made it to the Super Bowl, lost to the Chiefs, of course. And then this year they were eleven and six, lost in the wild card round. Just a really bad fall off for the Eagles after starting ten and one this season to go one and five for the rest of the season, and then uh, get destroyed by an inferior team uh, in the Buccaneers in the first round uh, in Tampa. The Eagles' defense, especially the secondary, just had a fall off this year that was just there's no other way to describe it but terrible. Uh, their front seven was still okay because they just have so much talent there. They have a lot of young guys, a lot of guys that were paid. You got a, you got guys though like Jordan Davis who didn't have the craziest year, Nicobe Dean who didn't have the craziest year that you were expecting them to have better years. Jalen Carter wasn't upside for them uh, as a rookie. He was one of the better rookies in the league on the defensive end. Uh, you get him to follow you at ten or eleven or whatever it was. 
uh, and you're in a good spot there uh, with him. So that's good that they got him at least. Uh, both coordinators were failed experiments. Uh, Fat Matt Patricia, of course, was horrible. And then uh, Brian Johnson was solid. But overall, when you look at what they had last year with uh, Sirianni, Sirianni <laughs> with uh, Steichen and Gannon, uh, losing both those guys and falling off is a tough situation for them overall. But they still got the Eagles name. They're still going to draw attention from those guys. But Fat Matt's out of there, so good for them. Uh, you lose some certainty in Hurts and Sirianni and what? I thought you were never going to say his name again. <laughs> oh, I thought he was he who should not be named. What whatever, happened? Whatever. Fat Matt. He's still Fat Matt to me. Um, You lose some certainty in Jalen Hurts. Uh, Nick Sirianni is uh, completely fell off of uh, the Eagles fans uh, liking. I know everyone wanted him fired here at the end of the year. He didn't get fired, but the playoff class was inevitable for them. Uh, next year, you're going to return a lot of the same guys, and it's a big year. It's a make-or-break year for Sirianni next season. I completely agree. Uh, they really had a disappointing end of the year as they choked the division at Dallas, like you guys mentioned, or like you mentioned, Josh. They started 10-1, and but then decided to just choke it away to Dallas, and then they put up what felt like no fight whatsoever to Tampa during that wild-card game. Hurts took a Hertz took a really big step back compared to the 2022 season he had. It felt like he didn't have the... The, the wow factor on a lot of his touchdowns that he had uh, in 2022. And basically every single one of his rushing touchdowns was the tush push. So I guess you can say that was similar to 2022. Sirianni was just not doing anything valuable for this team. And the defense took a really large step back as well after the defensive line dominance from last year, where they had, I believe 80 sacks or something, which set a new NFL record for a team total in a season. But they've still got a lot of young players and pieces to build around, but please get some real coordinators for these guys. We saw last year that uh, Steichen and Gannon were huge pieces to their success. They they had a lot of the same players, just the coaches matter a lot more than people realize. Please get those guys some coaches so we can see Hurts really sling it at the level that we know he's capable of. Yeah, starting 10-1 and one, and then losing five of your last six games out in the first round of the playoffs. One of the bigger collapses in recent memory up there with uh, the 2020 COVID Steelers. Everything really seemed to fall apart. Uh, after the big Dom incident, Jalen Hurts looked very bad after it. The defense was very, very bad when Matt Patricia took over. Did not get better. And really the most disappointing part of the team was their lack of a run game. After week three, I don't think they had a 100-yard rusher in a single game for the rest of the season. Uh, a single rusher. Uh, A.J. Brown had a great stretch of like 125 receiving yards in six straight games. But down the down the stretch, he really started to slow down, didn't get as many targets. Uh, whether that was Jalen Hurd's struggles or A.J. Brown's struggles, I don't know. Uh, their, uh, their collapse was so bad that they considered firing Sirianni one year after he brought them to the Super Bowl. But he will be back. It'll be interesting to see how he recovers. They've brought in a very good coaching staff. Uh, I read an article today talking about how Sirianni, after the big Dom incident, like felt insecure or felt like not safe on the sidelines, <laughs> which is uh, which is just crazy. Um, be a man. Uh, but yeah, rough end of the season for the Eagles. Big Dom's a goat, though. Shout out, Big Dom. Um, moving on here, though, our final team here, the Dallas Cowboys. They were 12 and 5 in 2023. Lost in the divisional round, they're 2012 and five in 2024 as well. And they lost in the wild card round of the Packers. Um, the injury to Trayvon Diggs didn't hurt them as much as it probably should have, as probably everybody expected. 
Uh, you go out there and you have a solid season on offense, a solid season on defense, both maintain what you had last season in a season where you lose to uh, who did they lose to last season? Not Tampa. Who did who did uh, the Sanford? Sanford or no Sanford beat the Seahawks, and then I don't remember. I can't remember off the top of my head. They beat no, Tampa. It was, it was, no, it was last it was, year. It was San Fran yeah, it because was. it was the Zeke center play. Yeah. Right, 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 right. San Fran beat uh, <laughs> Seattle and then play. played them. It's just insane. Like, why yeah, did they... yeah. I forgot. Still that two was years a... removed. What are you doing? That was an, that's an iconic play, though, where he gets just blown up. That's, a, that's an iconic play. Uh, but like I said, Diggs got hurt, didn't hurt them as much as it should have. Uh, you get a breakout season from Deron Bland, who led the league in, or who led the league and all time in pick sixes for a season. Uh, Dak was an MVP candidate for a long, long portion of the season. Uh, if some games didn't happen towards the end of the season, he may have won it. CD Lamb has his best season as a Cowboy as a pro. Uh, this season would have been a massive positive for them had they not just collapsed in the first round. If they made the NFC Championship and lost to the Niners, we'd be looking at this like, okay, Dallas had a great season overall. The Niners are just a better team. But then you go and you lose to the Packers, and they are talented. We'll talk about them here in a few weeks. But um, overall, you can't have that happen. I still believe, maybe I'm delusional, I still believe the Cowboys are a very, very strong Super Bowl contender next season. They have the talent. We've seen them play really well. We've seen them blow out some teams. But overall, None of what you did in the regular season matters if you collapse in the first round at home. Completely agree with you. That honestly is two of my three first points, but the one that isn't related to that. CeeDee Lamb, he really emerged as a top three receiver in the league this year. I think he was second in receiving yards, and he went on a crazy tear of, I think, 10-plus catches and in, in 100-plus yards in uh, X amount of games. I don't remember off the top of my head. But Dak was Dak and the rest of the offense were really great in the regular season, but they just struggled in the playoffs. Same with the defense. They were phenomenal throughout the regular season. Their D-line was creating pressure on everybody. And moving over to their running back spot, I think they made the right choice in tagging Tony Pollard at the end of last season. And then now they're probably going to let him walk because he was just underwhelming. It felt like he just didn't have the juice that he had last year playing as the RB2 behind Zeke, who kind of leveled himself out with him, but he just didn't play the way that they expected him to. But the Duran, like you mentioned, Josh, the Duran Bland emergence really allows for them to let Stefan Gilmore walk and to not pay him a bunch of money. And Brandon Aubrey, he really came out of nowhere, and he's probably a top three to five kicker in the league. Guy can kick it from Jupiter if he really wanted to. So this Cowboys team, like you mentioned, Josh, I do think they are a Super Bowl contender next year. Plus, they have that extra $30 million that the salary cap just increased to, so they got a little bit of leeway with that. Uh, I, They've got talent, and I don't think any of it's going anywhere anytime soon. Plus, they've got some draft picks. They can, If they can hit on a couple of those, they can do some damage next year. Yeah, another incredible season for the Dallas Cowboys, yet it was another disastrous postseason for them. Uh, if this Cowboys team can't win a playoff game, I don't know. Or if they can't make the conference championship, I don't know what Cowboys team will. They had so many things go right for them. They did lose Trevon Diggs, which hurt. But, I mean, like you guys said, Deron Bland broke the pick six record at nine total interceptions. He was phenomenal. Jake Ferguson emerged as a very good tight end for them. Um, Brandon Aubrey uh, was maybe the best kicker in the NFL. Nine, ten kicks of 50-plus yards, made his first 35 kicks of the season. CeeDee Lamb showed he was a top three receiver in the NFL this season, uh, led the NFL in catches. Uh, with 135 yards after catch with 680, he was second in yards, touchdowns, seven 100-yard games. Dak Prescott was phenomenal for most of the season. 
He said he wouldn't throw as many interceptions this season, and he was right. Uh, he led the NFL in touchdown passes with 36, and with all that, they were still unable to win a playoff game. Uh, they just continued to choke in the playoffs. Uh, the one spot this team really lacked in, and we thought it would be a strength, like you said, Zach, the running game. You expected to jump forward with Mike McCarthy calling plays, and that just did not happen. It was more of a step backwards. Uh, that's really the only area I can really see them improving in besides just being clutch and uh, winning a playoff game. So uh, I don't know how this Cowboys team didn't make a run in the playoffs, but uh, Packers just dominated them. They didn't look ready at all. Don't say that. <laughs> yeah, that will uh, that will about do it for this episode of the Engage 8 podcast. Uh, once again, thank you to Hashmark for partnering with the podcast. We'll be talking about more about them in the future. Uh, next week, we will do the AFC and NFC South, as well as talking about any headlines around the sports world. Uh, until next time, though, we have all of our links in the description. Follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. All of Hashmark's info will be in the description as well. And until next time, we'll see everybody in the next one.